Hello everybody and welcome to Kana Rinse Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And it's just me this week, just Leon. Previously, when I've done solo shows, I have selected tracks that I have some familiarity with and some connection to. This particular Sound of Play, 61, uh, I appear to have deliberately chosen nine tracks of music that I don't really know from nine games that I don't really know much about. So this could be interesting. Uh, I mean, people going on uh, the radio or podcasts and talking out of their hats for hours on end, it's, you know, it's never stopped a whole host of uh, large, large but fragile ego types such as myself. So... Uh, here we are, and we opened the show with a track I'm a little familiar with, or at least I know something about. And it was called End of the Dark, and it was requested by uh, Todinho. And uh, he said on his request at the forum, canorince.com slash forum, Yesterday I fell into the rabbit hole of listening to the Police Noughts OST. I know Snatcher gets most of the attention, but I think the soundtrack in Police Noughts is just as good, but a bit more subtle. Anyway, I just love it. So the soundtrack to Police Noughts is uh, credited to uh, four different names, Tapi Iwase, Masahiro Hikariko, Motoaki, Furukawa and Kazo Nakamura. Uh, now, I am sure that many of you will have recognised the chief motif there in the, the music, that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Sorry if that was a bit atonal or flat I've got half a pair of headphones on and I'm not listening to myself back in the monitors uh, but anyway you know the bit I mean and I'm sure like me uh, many of you who weren't already Kojima fans certainly not uh, people who were importing uh, Japanese games that uh, ran on well originally it was an NEC PC 9821 game uh, came to 3DO PS1 and Saturn and there are translations out there uh, but yes yeah, so many of you will associate that little riff with when Metal Gear Solid the first Metal Gear Solid the third game in the Metal Gear series boots up uh, regular listeners will know um, that this Sound of Play podcast is part of Kane and Rinse which is our main podcast I suppose um, it's the podcast that we've been doing for five years now and we've covered 240 odd games more really including series and uh, sometimes we do an extended series of podcasts on a, a franchise or a series of games 
uh, and we did Metal Gear Solid, some or Metal Gear, I should say, because we started right back at the beginning with the MSX2 games. And we did that some years ago now, so do go to canerince.com or iTunes or wherever else and seek those podcasts out. Uh, I can't remember what we said, but we talked a lot of hours about a lot of Metal Gear Solid. Obviously, this was before Ground Zeroes even came out, let alone the Phantom Pain, uh, so that'll be for another time. But I often wondered, with that riff being used at the start of Metal Gear Solid, um, and I'm going to... I'm going to guess this is this is just this is just a guess. But Tapi Iwase was the man who was credited with uh, the Metal Gear Solid soundtrack uh, on on that first PlayStation One game. Then famously, of course, uh, Konami, Kojima uh, and Iwase got caught out uh, with the, the, the famous theme music that Harry Gregson Williams would go on to so memorably uh, remix for the sequel, um, having turned out to be a pretty much direct rip slightly uh slightly more bombastic version of a rather melancholy uh, piece of russian classical music the name and composer of which escapes me temporarily see i told you I w- I w- it was under researched and uh, unrehearsed um but yeah so i i always wondered I, I wonder what the decision was there about putting that in at the start of uh metal gear solid was it was it a total awareness that people would not necessarily more people would not know police noughts although i'm sure police noughts was a success uh in japan and and it was ported to three machines but uh but i wonder if whether it was a decision of kojima or tapio wase or one of the other musicians and uh whether they realized that that particular little jingle would then become in the minds of many of us almost pavlovian uh, oh metal gear solid when actually it was a it was a a little riff that was written for a completely different game uh, that originally came out some four years earlier. I don't know. Anyway, we have yet to cover Police Noughts on the Kane and Rince podcast. Uh, it's certainly something that could be done in the future, with uh, probably with the use of emulation and uh, fan translations and, and whatever else. And we've got nothing against doing that if that's the way that games uh, have to be played, to be experienced. Um, we've certainly got some fans on the team and among the community, but we did cover Snatcher, uh, Kojima's other non-Metal Gear game from uh, from around that time, uh, and that was in Kane and Rince podcast issue 142. So again... Go to canerince.com or go to iTunes or just Google it and uh, and that should come up. Next up, our second request, and this really is something I know so little about as to be able to, I don't, I don't even think I'd need the back of a, of a post-it note uh, or, a, or a stamp. Uh, Anarchy Online is the game. Uh, but fortunately, I can appreciate a lovely bit of music when I hear it. Uh, we quite often feature uh, Scandinavian composers on the show because, uh, hey, there's a whole amazing Scandinavian development team. This particular one is Norwegian, I think, Anarchy Online and Funcom. Forgive me if I'm wrong. This is, uh, again, un- <laughs> unrehearsed and under-researched. But is Gimmer, uh, who is obviously a fan of this 2001 MMO RPG sci-fi type thing, uh, says there are two factions, Omnitech and the Clans, and this is one of the tracks when tooling around in Omni Cities. So here it is, Majestic Omni One. By I'll tell you after once I've practiced the pronunciations.
I haven't practiced the pronunciations. Uh, so these are Norwegian names, so which I'm probably murdering. But Morten, I can say Morten Surli or Surli, Tor Lindlokan, and Bjorn Arva Lagim were the three composers on Anarchy Online as is usually the case. I am unaware as to whether it was a collaborative effort or whether they each contributed some tracks. I think normally it's the latter. You, do, you don't tend to get uh, composers working in collaboration on video games. Is that right? I think that's right. I'm th- I've, you know, I've done, done have many of these podcasts. Um, but And thinking about when we have managed to find out. Some games, for instance, Akami... Uh, if you complete Akami on the HD version, and I recommend that you do play that, it's uh, I think it's a wonderful game. <clears throat> the it unlocks a sort of music player, and uh, it's an astonishing soundtrack. Akami, I think uh, we featured some tracks from it before, and I'm sure we will again in the future. But the the tracks are uh, listed by um, it each composer so it has a little key and it tells you who composed which song uh, and that's nice and i wish uh, every time uh, i looked up a track on the internet for sound of play somebody out there would say who composed what but i think in a lot of cases the information just isn't out there and in fact later on we have a track where i literally don't know the names of the composers uh, although there may be there may be circumstances for that uh, but and here's something I've I've said before, but I haven't said it for a while, so I'm going to say it again. Um, if you're a YouTuber type person, who whether whether you have a channel and you upload stuff, or uh, you simply, um, yeah, whether you go on there as a personality sort of thing, or whether you uh, do musical covers, or whether you simply upload soundtracks for people to share and enjoy, and uh, you know I. I absolutely think that um, all these composers should get uh, remunerated for their work. But equally, uh, I think there's there's a lot of good to be uh, done from these things being shared far and wide as possible. And I know that having spoken to composers who we've had on the show, they all accept that that is uh, that is part of the deal and that is that is going to carry on. But please, everybody, if you do share somebody else's work or or want to promote it in some way, at least credit the composer. The amount of cover versions there are out there which just say, and this is track such and such from the game, Castlevania, Mega Man, whatever, without even attempting to find out who the composer was, I I find it really disrespectful. So this is why even if um, maybe occasionally mangling the names is could be considered disrespectful, I'd say it's it's... It's less the lesser of two evils of of not giving credit to the people who are providing the music that we enjoy. Uh, step stepping down from soapbox. Uh, no such problems with our next track <clears throat> and a regular contributor and track requester Flabio Glenn Watts. Yeah, I guess one of the common themes of of tracks in this show as well, and this is perhaps partly why my knowledge is less than stellar on uh, on most counts, is that uh, I seem to have also picked a, a fairly obscure set of tracks from a fairly um, sort of, I don't know if niche is the right word, but yeah, sort of uh, not necessarily um, widely played games. Um, certainly not in the West, as is the case with, with this one. Um, this is by Monolith Soft, and we've seen the sort of, uh, continuation or extension of this series with Project Cross Zone on the 3DS, but this was Namco X Capcom or Namco Cross Capcom, I assume. Uh, and it's a bit of bit of a uh, bit of a sort of J-pop anthem for uh, a game like this, which seems to fit very well. And it's by the mighty Yuzo Koshiro. So Flavio says, back in 2005, we had the extremely bizarre and Japan only Namco Cross Capcom, which wasn't a fighting game; it was a turn-based strategy game. I do like the theme tune, though, and it had a silly animated intro from famed studio production IG as well. So, yeah, here it is from 11 years ago on the PlayStation 2. This is uh, Subarashiki Shin Sekai or Brave New World by Yuzo Koshiro.
Somewhat more recent piece of Yuzo Koshiro there.、Uh, we've featured his work before from,、uh, well, obviously from Streets of Rage. I'm not sure if we've had any、uh, Act Razor.、Uh, we've had some Sonic the Hedgehog on the Master System.、Uh, but Yuzo Koshiro is the mighty Yuto, Yuzo Koshiro as far as we're concerned. And yeah, that's、uh, a piece from the PS2 era on Namco Cross Capcom. Typical change of mood、uh, now from a, another Japanese game, another Japanese composer, but an RPG.、Uh, this is by、uh, Masashi Hamazu, whose、uh, work is almost entirely from the Square back catalogue, including working with、uh, the likes of Nobuo Uematsu on Final Fantasy X, but also some of the sort of slightly Which we say off to the side、uh, square games,、um, such as Dirge of Cerberus and、uh, Saga Frontier 2 and Tobal Number 1, Front Mission, Gun Hazard, and things like that.、Uh, but this, yeah, this is from Unlimited Saga,、uh, certainly a game that、uh, did come out over here. Atari released it in Europe、uh, with、uh, Square, Square Enix releasing it in、uh, other territories. Um, and this is re- requested by Toki, who simply says, Lonely, peaceful, lovely.
2002, that's from another PlayStation 2 track from uh, Square Enix. And actually, were they just Square then? When did the Square Enix thing happen? You see, under-researched, I told you. Um, it must have been around that time because uh, it was down as a Square Enix published game, but I think maybe it was developed developed by Squaresoft. So that would make it during that period. That seems about right to me. Uh, next up, we have a track from another sci-fi MMO. And uh, I often, when I think Anarchy Online, my brain goes to EVE Online. So Anarchy Online was uh, somewhat earlier um, and EVE Online is more kind of spaceship based. Is that right? And I know EVE Online is still uh, a big deal, whereas I, I don't think that Anarchy Online is. Um, this is, as I say, this is a world which I know little about my only experience with MMOs, really, as I've said before, um, not counting some of the more modern kind of console games that have run on with the concept like Destiny and stuff like that. But games that are of the traditional, it's on a PC, you probably subscribe to it, you're attached to a particular server, all that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I certainly had amazing times back in the uh, early 2000s with Fantasy Star Online and the Dreamcast. That was my first proper online experience, along with a bit of Quake 3. Um, but apart from a bit of Final Fantasy 11, which I wanted to love but found just too repetitive and grindy and too many barriers to entry, too confusing, too obscure, too... Uh, Byzantine to just yeah just too much investment for somebody who wants to play all the different games and you can probably from what I understand multiply all those feelings for EVE Online now a lot of it sounds amazing with EVE Online like the concept the concepts and, the, and this um, this sort of ongoing uh, real life sort of model of finance and, and uh, galactic politics and all this sort of thing and stuff that spills over into the real world all sounds genuinely fascinating, worthy of uh, a million articles and academic studies and all that sort of thing, but not something to really just be dipped in and out of if, if you want to get anywhere. However, I believe, I'm sure I read or I possibly even shared the news story recently that this is uh, EVE Online is now free to play. Uh, so there's no... There's no starting fee. I don't know if there's, I can't remember if, if there's a subscription or whether that was what was dropped. Yeah, I think maybe it was a subscription that was dropped because I don't think you could, you, you bought the game anyway. Uh, yeah, that seems right. Anyway, again, forgive my ignorance. Uh, just enjoy the music on this one. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's a it's a it's a sort of concept that appeals more than I think the actual the, the the reality of it. Um, I think and I've even struggled to find time to play Elite Dangerous, but Elite Dangerous is about my my sort of limit and level. Um, however, Star Citizen is uh, is exciting me hugely. Anyway, Eve Online requested track requested by Ben Blaster. Uh, who says himself, EVE Online is a game I've tried and failed to play on multiple occasions. I've always been attracted to the sandbox universe, open to endless possibilities. But EVE Online is not a game you play, it's a game you live. But despite throwing in the towel time after time, I've always walked away from the game with more than a few positive memories. One of these being EVE Online's truly superb soundtrack. The whole soundtrack perfectly encapsulates the vast emptiness of space, the thrill of discovery and the fear of losing a ship you spent months building in a matter of seconds. This particular track below the asteroids is my personal favourite. Whenever I think of Eve, I always think of the music.
also for uh, personal computers and Macintosh personal computers from 2003, but still going, still going strong. Uh, Eve Online, and that's uh, below the asteroids, and the composer is John Hallow Haraldson. And again, apologies if my pronunciation is not up to snuff. Now, this is a game I actually played. Only a demo, but I did play it. Uh, and that is a game that I didn't really think we'd necessarily ever feature on Sound of Play, but that is why we ask you for not only your your kind of obvious picks when you request uh, tracks for the podcast, whether it be on the forum uh, or on uh, Twitter or on our Facebook page. Uh, we like to hear your obscurities and your tracks that maybe people will have overlooked, not heard, either because they haven't played the game or just because maybe they played the game and they didn't much think about the soundtrack again. But I think sometimes in isolation, some of these tracks are, are really well worth hearing. Now, this one has... Yeah, well, Less Than TV, our contributor uh, explains. Less Than TV says certain music has the ability to transport you back to a specific time and place. And for me, this is a prime example of that. Whenever I hear this song, I'm transported back to being a teenager and to breaking up from school for the Christmas holidays and rushing home to play this game. Sitting in my room while it's snowed outside, completely wrapped up in this game. The game in question is a slightly unusual one because it came from Cave. Yes, that Cave. But instead of being a bullet hell shooter, it's an arcade-style, rather wacky snowboarding game. I am, of course, talking about steep sloped sliders on the Sega Saturn. A game not many people seemingly bought, but from the first time I played a demo of it on one of the Sega Saturn magazine demo discs, I knew I had to own it. It was a pretty easy game and it didn't take long to unlock everything, but there were hours of fun to be had, trying to beat your high scores while throwing yourself down the mountain as an alien on a snowboard, or weirder still, a UFO. The soundtrack was mostly electronic music, but there were also two vocal tracks included, which, despite the slightly questionable English lyrics, have become two of my favourite pieces of video game music ever. A bit of googling revealed that the artist for this track as being a group called Nap on Monday, who I'm guessing may be in-house, as I found no mention of them outside this soundtrack. So yeah, listen to this. Uh, Hold Me Close by Nap on Monday.
so yes, you can hear there, I suspect the vocalist was working phonetically. Um, and that gives it a slightly interesting alien uh, quality, um, with, perhaps with some unintended uh, comedy elements. But I think it's very sweet and uh, and a really nice pop composition. Um, you know, perhaps a little bit more uh, on the nose, uh, sentimental than the sort of thing I would normally listen to. But I think... I, th I thought it was quite nice. So yeah, Cave Cave made that after they'd made I think Don Patchy and maybe one other game. It was one of their earlier releases after they'd uh, been formed from Key Star from the Ashes of Toa Plan, who made things like some of my favourite games, some of my favourite arcade shooters like Flying Shark and uh, Hellfire. Um, yeah, and they dabbled there with this Polygon snowboard game. Now I always associate steep slope sliders which was always hard to say after a few beers, uh, with Cool Borders. It was kind of like the Saturn equivalent of Cool Borders. Now, Cool, cool Borders went on to be like a multi-game with maybe seven or eight different uh, entries into the series, carried on, changed developers, went on to the PS2, uh, became less and less popular. But Steep Slope Sliders and the original Cool Borders came out around the same sort of time, 97, 98, um, and Cool Borders looked a bit nicer, but I think uh, I remember that Steep Slope Sliders actually reviewed slightly better overall. But then that may be partly because uh, there were fewer games uh, of uh, worth around to review. And I think um, naturally uh, Saturn publications were kind of um, probably subconsciously but bumping up the scores of games by that stage. Things like Deep Fear, um, as we were still waiting desperately for the, the UK release of uh, X-Men versus Street Fighter with the four meg RAM cartridge, which in the end never happened. Um, but yeah, Sega brought uh, quite a few games over in the latter stages of the Saturn's life, uh, as they did with Steep Slope Sliders, which was, was released by um, Packin Soft in Japan. And there was an arcade version as well, being a cave game, uh, which Capcom distributed. Uh, so there you have it. We haven't covered Steep Slope Sliders um, on the podcast. In fact, I don't think we've done any snowboarding games at all. Not even the mini game in Final Fantasy VII or anything in Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, my snowboarding game of choice was and still is uh, 1080 snowboarding on the uh, N64 or on the Wii U Virtual Console now. Uh, but I also have a soft spot for the SSX series. Who knows? One of those might get... Uh, caned and rinsed eventually but until then if you're interested in cave stuff we did a podcast uh, about the shoot 'em ups of cave it was an unusual cane and rinsing that we covered multiple games that weren't necessarily in the same franchise but were by the same developer and that was in podcast issue 112 uh, and understandably it was a, a panel of people who were fans of cave shoot 'em ups because you'd struggle to get somebody who wasn't a fan to complete some of those games and then come on and talk about them and why they didn't like them. Yeah, that's how it goes. Now bringing things up to date, we have another game that I haven't played but is on my uh, Steam wishlist, waiting for the right price and all that and the, and the time to play it. Uh, this is Stardew Valley and this is a game, uh, as with uh, Undertale and... Uh, a number of other projects, some of which we have covered on the main Kane and Rinse podcast. This is made by a ridiculously talented polymath, Eric Baroni, I'm going to say. I think it's Baroni rather than Baron, but it makes me think of C. Baroni, uh, Stiletto the Crow from the original Danger Mouse series. I don't know if the slightly reductive Italian stereotype has been adapted in the modern uh, Danger Mouse series 30 years on. Uh, listeners with children can perhaps let me know but yes stardew valley uh is this uh recent 2016 um already out on pc and mac came out in about february and happily is coming to as it stands ps4 xbox one and wii u later this year always waiting for the news that the wii u version has been cancelled because that's what's happening now uh so yes this is the sort of modern uh western developed independent extension or natural progression of the infamous Natsume Harvest Moon series. Infamous, is that right? Legendary. Um, a series which has had more entries than I could possibly count, uh, a few of which I've played. And I do like a bit of Harvest Moon, but there is definitely... There is definitely a sort of breaking point with them where... Uh, you need to do a... You need to put in a lot of genuine kind of... Uh, 
it's, oh, it's so hard to say because obviously compared to actual farming, which is you know, genuinely, uh, you know, life sapping, backbreaking work um, that the world needs people to do to survive. This is just a bit of video gaming. But Natsume's way of um, kind of expressing that has always been to make the farming in Harvest Moon quite a lot of effort by video game standards. The tipping point for me, I played Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town, which was a GBA uh, entrant into the series in about 2004 and um, came out the same time as, and I think paired with uh, Harvest Moon, It's a Wonderful Life on uh, GameCube. Uh, And those, those were very, very cute games. And uh, there was, there came a point where the, the watering of the plants went from being this utter nightmarish chore uh, to uh, to the point where you got this sort of multi-patch speeded up sprinkler, basically. So, yeah, you start, it's an RPG in, in, in the traditional fashion of a JRPG in that, uh, and, and the first, I think the first one was about 1995. Um, you can download it on the, on the Wii U Virtual Console, I believe. Uh, on the the Super Nintendo Harvest Moon Uh, and yeah and it it makes you grind it makes you work for your money you plough the furrows you work the fields you till the land you you know you go to market and you buy a single animal and bring it back and nurture it until hopefully you can do you no you don't slaughter in um, Harvest Moon do you it's not necessarily a realistic simulation (laughs) I think you you just uh, you just shear shear sheep and things like that Anyway, there is much cuteness and reward to be had for the effort they put in. But as I understand it, and the reason I'm keen to try Stardew Valley is that not only does it take many of the the cool systems and rewarding elements for these games, but it also modernises and streamlines them to a certain extent. So the response to this game has been uh, critically uh, and anecdotally strong, I would say. Uh, but that said, I have heard of uh, some people I know and also our, our track request to hear Maxstat drifting away from it. So we shall see. But um, I imagine development is ongoing, uh, especially once I don't know if um, Eric Baroni is handling the PC, uh, sorry, the console ports himself or whether uh, somebody uh, that's been farmed out <laughs> to somebody. Anyway, Maxstat says, I'm a little surprised that while I got tired of the game itself, waiting for a new patch. I'm still listening to its OST. And the track, although it's autumn at the time of recording in real life, the track that Max Stat wanted to hear was spring, brackets, wild, <laughs> brackets, wild horseradish jam.
yes, Eric Baroni uh, conceived, albeit obviously with a lot of inspiration, uh, programmed, coded, designed, drew, and made all the music for that game. And once again, people like that, I am just in total admiration for their multi faceted talents uh, i have very very few talents and uh, for somebody to be able to not only make the game but also make it look pretty and sound gorgeous is uh yeah it's it's, it's beyond my ken um there's some there's some very very famous people in this world celebrities who barely have one talent and yet you have these people who most people have never heard of who have all the talent now, Konami's uh, recent actions as a company, as a developer, as a publisher, have been uh, the subject of quite some discussion. Controversial actions, as they appear to have pretty much buried or sold off most of the family jewels. Uh, the ones that they've kept, the, uh, the, the worthwhile ones to them, being Metal Gear Solid. Uh, and... Now that Kojima is gone, they're making a game with zombies, Metal Gear Survive, and they're making, of course, uh, patchy slot games, pachinko arcade game center machines, because they make lots of money in Japan. And that is uh, not to the liking of some of long, long-term Metal Gear fans. But I say to them, it's okay, let it go. Let you know, Kojima was was indulged for many years by Konami and now he gets the chance to do pretty much whatever he wants so we can see whether uh, your faith in him um, and there is, there is a certain amount of zealotry out there about Kojima's uh, worth as a creative force I have mixed feelings myself I think some of what he does is amazing some of which some some of what he does I also think is extremely questionable and uh uh, both on a game design and a sort of ethical point of view. Um, I'm not entirely convinced as to his worth as a political commentator um, in, in some cases, but some of the games he's made and some of the interaction that's possible within them and the set pieces and stuff have, have been truly jaw-dropping and unlike anything anyone else has done. So a great auteur in, the, yeah, in somebody who's made interesting stuff, not always to my taste, not always to my liking, but... Uh, absolutely would not want him doing anything else. I certainly wouldn't want him going into movies. I'd rather have him making games, making games that I don't always like or there are aspects of which I don't always like. Uh, but I, I sort of do understand why... I do understand. I can, I can, can empathise why people are so up in arms about Metal Gear Survive and Pachinko Machines and that sort of thing. But I think you just have to... You know, understand that you just have to accept that that is the way of the world. You know, there there are there are thousands of franchises which have been started off by one creative uh, force and have been handed over to others for good and for ill. Sometimes sequels by new development teams have been well liked and well received. Other times, uh, it's been the start of a slippery slope. And if so, just ignore them. Just don't play them. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking Sonic the Hedgehog, but. Konami, uh, Konami's sort of relationship with taking its IPs into other formats goes back a long, long way. Uh, this one isn't from that long ago, but uh, the this particular piece of music is from a pachinko, pachisro, pachi slot machine. Uh, this one's from five years ago, but the game that it takes its music from is from a much older Gambari Gurmung game. So Craig requests... Uh, running through the pine corridor from Pachi Slot Ganbari Gomon 2, originally from Ganbari Gomon 2, uh, Kitaretsu Shogun Maganesu. Uh, and yeah, I, I've played uh, two of the Ganbari Gomon games. Again, there are loads. There are absolutely loads. Um, I played the Super Nintendo one and the N64, or one of the, the one, the Super Nintendo one that came out in the uh, EU and has since uh, come out on virtual console multiple times, new 3DS, Wii U, Wii. Um, that's still a very interesting game worth playing, despite its uh, censorship, um, quite a few aspects. It's boardier aspects, uh, the toilet humour and the nudity uh, were <laughs> sort of uh, paired back for the European release. And I also played through in one memorable day, one one long session, uh, the Legend of the Mystical Ninja 64, I think, was it called over here? Or was it Gambari Goman? Go for it, Goman. Anyway, do you remember when magazines used to always put Geoman instead of Goemon? That was annoying. 
Uh, but yes, some great music is one of the main things that I take away from my experiences with Gambare Gomon. And uh, yes, so this is from KPE's Patchy Sorot Machine. And uh, the tunes for this game are by Kazuhiko Uhara, Tomoya Tomita and Nobuyuki Akena. But uh, I don't think they worked on the original game that this came from. So uh, apologies for that. But that's uh, that's where this remix is from, Running Through the Pine <laughs> Gomon, a lot of fun uh, to listen to, I think, uh, and and to play. And again, uh, I would like us to cover at least some of uh, that series someday on Kane and Rinse, but uh, it's a tricky one to cover. Lots of entries, obscure entries across different formats, uh, many that weren't translated and so on and so forth. But um, uh, and, and the less said about the translation of the original game, the better. Uh, Kid Ying and Dr. Yang, indeed. Now remember, please do venture over to our forum at canerince.com slash forum or on Twitter at canerince. Use the hashtag sound of play if you like. And we also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash canerince. You can request tracks. We'll continue to include a selection of your requests, uh, sometimes an all request special like this one, um, but normally a selection of your requests in each regular sound of play podcast. Uh, as you can hear, or as you have heard, it doesn't necessarily matter if we've even heard of the song or the game before. We'll just continue talking anyway. Uh, we can always go off at tangents and segues. And uh, those of you who like the Cane and Rinse podcast, but uh, find it a little too focused at times or even a bit dry, it has been said. Not for a long time, though. Uh, here's where we get to let our hair down just a little bit more and have a, more of a general video gaming natter and reminisce and recollection. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Rinse. And if you really enjoy what we do, we put out on average about three hours of podcasts uh, a week. One Cane and Rinse, one Sound of Play. Uh, each podcast takes many, 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 many more hours than the time it takes to listen to, to make and create, to research, to edit, uh, to organise, to get people together, to play the games. Obviously, I'm, we're not expecting you to pay for us to play the games. Um, but your contributions to fund our ongoing endeavours and our time uh, towards making what we hope is a really, uh, we try to make a really high quality, consistently uh, interesting and informed show. Uh, you know, I will accept as any creative person who's creating something should do that. Uh, I think some cane and rinse issues of the podcast come out better than others. From my point of view, I'm happier with some and less with others, but that's okay. Um, but generally uh, having to fit uh, this around uh, a job and everything like that is not so conducive to utterly consistent quality. So uh, the more of your amazing Patreon donations we get in, basically the more time and effort uh, the core team can put into making uh, an amazing Cane and Rinse podcast and maybe even take us to the next level, uh, which would be a dream come true. So patreon.com slash Cane and Rinse. So concluding uh, with another MMO. Uh, so another game I haven't played. Um, and this is, uh, I think this is a great track. Obviously, I, I say I don't know these tracks. I've listened to them all before making this podcast. You may have realised we don't listen to them actually at the time that you do while recording the show. Uh, that's, you know, it's, it's a pre-record. You understand. It's not a live show. Uh, 
but yes, this is the one that uh, I can't tell you the name of the composer because I don't think it's credited anywhere. This is a game from China, you see, um, and it may be part uh, partly to the regime there that uh, that the individual names aren't credited on the work. I'm making a massive assumption there, um, but. To put it this way, the developer of the game is Perfect World. The publisher of the game is Beijing Perfect World. Uh, and it's Perfect World Entertainment in uh, the USA. Um, but the yeah, the music is credited as being by Beijing Perfect World. So it's by the studio, the creators. Um, but the individuals concerned, uh, we will never know, possibly. If it is out, if the information is out there, do let me know. Um, but I did a little bit of searching and I couldn't find anything. Anyway. Ghost Strikes says this is an MMORPG that was free to play, but with microtransactions, instead of buying stuff from the store, I would just grind endlessly because of the beautiful scenery and especially the soundtrack. The songs are also melancholic and calm, yet they feel epic. This song is from the major city in the game, Archosaur. Or is it Archosaur? I don't know. Uh where all the trading between the players occurred. You could set up your character as a cat shop, basically offering the products of your grinding for sale as other players walked by. I assume that's not like a cat house. Uh, I would leave the computer on any time I wasn't playing, including at night while I was and while I was at school, while in cat shop mode in this city. So I heard this track plenty, and it still brings back great memories. So I'll leave you with this, Archosaur, or Archosaur, from... Perfect World by Beijing Perfect World by Beijing Perfect World, published by Beijing Perfect World uh, from the personal computer in 2005. And uh, I will leave you in the capable hands of Ryan for Sound of Play 62. And I'll be back with you uh, with somebody else in Sound of Play 63. And yes, that was what I was going to mention. Well remembered right at the death. Uh, yeah, so I put a shout out on Twitter and the forum recently to say to listeners that we were uh, now sort of actively seeking guests to join us on Sound of Play, share some of their favourite tracks. Uh, you need to have a decent microphone and a passion and a knowledge for the music that you want to talk about. That's really the only stipulation. So uh, tweet us at Kana Rince, tweet me at Ratso Albion, R-A-T-S-O-A-L-B-I-O-N, or go to the forum and uh, find the uh, appropriate sound of play thread and let me know if you'd be interested i've now got a, a little list uh, i didn't get around to setting this up with anyone uh, before recording this show as you can tell hence the solo waffling um, but in future i'm going to try to get some of uh, without any promises but uh, some of some of the guys who have uh, said that they will come on and talk games and games music with me uh, we wanted to extend out that invitation to beyond just the uh, the usual suspects. Um, as I say, we do we do need a certain kind of audio quality, so make sure you have at least a decent headset, like internal uh, laptop mics and, say, mobile phone condenser mics are not going to cut it. You're going to need some sort of recording uh, device and software that makes you sound of near broadcast quality. But other than that, as I say, just uh, the ability to uh, speak out loud, not be shy about sharing your love of games uh, music. So yeah, let me know. But until then, here's Archosaur, and we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. Mm -hmm.